When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude on the day of two Game 7s that were, depending on what team you root for, a lot of fun. Um, Me personally, as a uh, Lakers fan, I did not particularly enjoy the Boston-Milwaukee game. Uh, And also as like a Giannis fan, um, I tweeted out earlier today that you know, all my homies are rooting for Giannis to repeat, given the teams that are still out there. Uh, I mean, in the Eastern Conference, I don't know outside of the Celtics and the Heat that you can make a like a direct, you know, you should hate this team. Like the, there's not one that stands out. And even the Heat, like when the Lakers. Say, do, we, do we hate the Heat? Because I well, kind of like them. That's what I was going to say. Like. My feelings I had towards them in 2020 were that they it was just cool that they were there. I didn't think the Heat, uh, at least at the time, thought they deserved to be in the finals. As soon as the Lakers were matched up with the Heat in the finals, I kind of chalked it up as a you know four or five game series. Uh, and to their credit, I think they gave the Lakers a good run for their money. Um, took them to six games, whereas. Um, you know, other teams, I, I believe the Lakers won every, no, that's not right. Did the Lakers win every series uh, leading up to the, the Heat series in five games? Uh, Yeah, I believe that so. That sounds right. It was really. They lost the first. No, they won uh, the first two in yeah, five games. And then I think the Nuggets was six, maybe. Or it was five. No, it was five games and it was like a different pattern because the first two series they lost the first game won the next four and then that series i think they won one or two games lost one and then one and five so yeah so it's five 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 six yeah i'm looking at it right here that's crazy that the audacity of some people man just shut up stop talking about basketball <laughs> um but that's why like i i don't think i dislike the heat um maybe have my like maybe i'm bothered by the whole heat culture thing uh but beyond that i think it's fine jimmy's lots of fun he's an absolute dog man i can't believe it lakers fans aren't gonna hate the heat this week or these next couple weeks because that's the one last hope we have in the eastern (laughs) conference to uh keep the celtics out of the finals because that first game seven today i ended up turning it off because it I'm not even exaggerating. It made me physically ill to see the Celtics have success. Like, I know it hasn't been the rivalry it obviously once was. Uh, And really, they haven't had meaningful matchups since, like, the 2010s. But just seeing them, like, knocking down threes and the fans going crazy and whatnot, like, oh, I hated it so uh, like I, sometime in the second half, I just turned it off. I turned on something else and, uh, just waited until, uh, the other game seven tonight, but Yana, the bucks, like, I don't know which way to think about, I, I guess it, it, 
it was a valiant enough title defense. They didn't have their second best player. Yeah. And Giannis is insane. Like, it's a testament to how good Giannis is that that was even a series because the the Bucks were the Celtics were just a better team and Giannis was just dragging the Bucks as far as he could and I mean just looking at his stats tonight 20 point he had a 2020 game almost a 2020 triple double and it wasn't even close he he looked he looked gassed a bit by the by game seven today but oh, I hate that the Celtics are good man I hate it I don't know uh, off the top of my head exactly what the Spurs got for Derek White. I think it was like Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and then a first-round pick and a pick swap maybe. I don't Um, think it was that. It was – it's not enough is what I've come to the conclusion. Um, You know, Derek White shot one of ten from the field on Sunday – Still a plus 10 in the box score. Uh, he's they're so sound defensively. Um, and it hurts to watch any team dominate the way the Lakers used to dominate, but especially the Celtics. That's so stupid. Um, they were they were bombing away from three this whole series, but uh, I mean, on on Sunday in particular, 55 three pointers. Grant Williams, like. I understand the Bucks have a philosophy, and on Sunday it was live it live with Grant Williams shooting threes. That man attempted 18 three-pointers and hit seven of them. That's below what his season average shooting threes was. So mm-hmm. I guess that they won, but like the fact that they just were making no adjustments as Grant Williams canned three after three after three was just like what are we doing? That that was the Mike Budenholzer of a couple seasons ago that everybody thought should be fired. Um, they just didn't really tr- like try anything else. They got contributions on the Bucks did on Sunday. Brooke Lopez was incredible. Yeah. Uh, if you want to talk about how frustrating that is uh, as the Lakers fans, watching both Brooke Lopez and Wesley Matthews be good in a playoff series as the Lakers are sitting home watching when they could have had both guys on probably effectively minimum deals. That one stung a little bit. Yeah. I don't know what Bud was doing. Um, It's so funny because prior to last season, all the discourse around Mike Budenholzer was this man is a fraud. Yeah. And then they won and it's like, okay, well, I don't know if that doesn't that makes him not a fraud, but now he's a at least a champion in a fraud, and um, he's I a think... fraud with a shiny little NBA ring <laughs> on his finger, I guess right now. But uh, yeah, George Hill playing eleven minutes, Grayson Allen playing twenty one minutes. Like, brother, what are you doing? And George Hill is somebody I wanted the Lakers to go after a few years ago, um, but man, what a what feel... a weird series and game yeah i feel contractually obliged as one of two duke fans on this podcast network to defend grayson allen no i cannot on sunday (laughs) and really uh, this whole series he's a good player dirty player but a good player uh 
I understood why he was getting minutes, like the idea of it, but that was like the idea of it in a vacuum. And the context was this series, he stunk. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why he was out there so much. Um, I mean, that also like, Dante DiVincenzo trading him away for Sergi Baca, who you probably mm-hmm. forgot was on the books. Um, I that was a bizarre trade at the time. Even as much as Dante DiVincenzo may have struggled or, or whatnot, Ibaka literally didn't see the floor. So like, that's what leads to Grayson Allen playing 22 minutes when he can't hit a shot and was generally just awful <laughs> all series and uh, in Game Seven. That's what leads to things like that. So. Uh, that's those kind of mar- moves on the margins you have to win. And I mean, that's the ones the Lakers are missing out on too. West Matthews and Brooke Lopez are, are bucks. And that's a, gl- a shining example of that. But those are the moves on the margins you have to hit when you're a championship team with um, not a lot of flexibility and how you can make additions to the roster. And the bucks completely whiffed on the DiVincenzo trade and, they sure could have used an extra guard, an extra body, an extra something uh, in this series because they just weren't really getting much of it outside of Giannis. I was so confused when you were talking about that, and I pulled up the full details of the trade, and man, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I think the that, Kings was probably a- made it the best out of that trade because they got DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles, um, which – if you're a Kings fan, those are the players, the types of players you're accustomed to joining your team at like the trade deadline or in free agency guys that are on there, like, you know, prove it deals or just role players that are due a payday. And the only people that are, um, you know, looking to, to give them a payday is a team like Sacramento. So uh, they made out pretty good in that the bucks got, Sergi Baca, two second round picks and calf. So they didn't make out horrible in it. But yeah, Sergi, if if you're trading Dante DiVincenzo, man, what a what a weird trade. Uh, but that being said, the Lakers are in the market for a, a center and free agency, and Sergi Baca is available. I would, no. I'm no listen, <laughs> I just he is like washed. him. Yeah, he's a good dude. I'd love to see his podcast episodes with LeBron and AD. He is washed. That man is super washed. Uh, The second game we should talk about, uh, and I'm actually going to enjoy talking about this one, is Dallas-Phoenix. Phoenix going out sad, losing to Dallas 123-90. to Not a result I saw coming but a result I am not particularly surprised to see. And one I would even say I'm happy to see Um, that final score is also flattering to Phoenix. Uh, I, so just looking at the starters numbers, Chris Paul had 10 points in 31 minutes. Devin Booker had 11. Deandre Ayton had five. Jay Crowder had five and Mikhail Bridges had six. What? Like, we're talking about the team that ended the season as as the number one seed in the Western Conference. That team. And the team that uh, the Lakers lost to um, 
last year. And I think that's the reason if you're a Lakers fan, you're watching this team uh, with players like Cameron Payne and, and Jay Crowder that just seem to really revel in, in the Lakers flaming out last season. It's, it's not so fun when the rabbits got the gun, you know, that's all I'll say about that. I'm glad you said that because uh, that was going to be what I let off with. Uh, shout out Jay Crowder. Shout out Phil Handy, who uh, was <laughs> posting on his Instagram about uh, needing humility, which um, people online may not have assumed it, what it was about, but that was about Jay Crowder. I can safely <laughs> say that. Uh, that dates back to last year when they were fighting on Instagram. So shout out Phil Handy uh that was the most fun uh playoff game i've watched since the lakers beat the suns uh was it game three where they were dancing all over them and it looked like that series was done and andre drummond was a meme on the sidelines and whatnot um that was the most fun playoff game since that night and it just kept going in this one like uh the first quarter was wasn't great for phoenix but that second quarter is like unbelievable that what they did was unbelievable i referenced it was talking to some friends during it i have the uh game six of the nba finals in the bubble uh like recorded or saved a tivo or whatever you want to call it on youtube tv and i'll just randomly when i'm like feeling down or something just go watch the second quarter of that game where the Lakers just blew the doors off Miami and you realize, oh, we're winning a title. And that's what that second quarter, I'm sure, feels like to Dallas fans. It's not the winning the title feeling, but mm -hmm. to go into Phoenix in a game seven against this team that's been lauded as the best team in the NBA all season long and just beat the brakes off of them, what has to be like, has to be one of the best feelings. <laughs> like that game wasn't even close. I'm not even joking when I say that scoreline flatters Phoenix. Like it was about 40 to 45 point lead for the entire second half. Like it was astounding how much the Mavericks just absolutely beat down uh, Phoenix. The plus minuses in that in the game were hilarious. Reggie Bullock played 32 minutes and was a plus 44. Um, the Luca was a plus 37 and didn't play in the fourth quarter. A game seven where you're just Luca can just sit in the fourth quarter is absolutely absurd. He was unbelievable 35 and 10. Uh, God, that was so much fun. Chris Paul didn't hit his first field goal until the Suns were down 40. Uh, I saw that on Twitter. Uh, I want to know who voted Devin Booker MVP. They need to show themselves after that because, Lord, you have some explaining to do. Um, and nobody is allowed to call Chris Paul the point god for the very long foreseeable future because that was horrendous. He was a minus 39 in 32, 31 minutes tonight. Yeah, it sucks because, uh, you know, Chris Paul has had a, especially for his age, um, like a pretty tremendous season and the Suns finishing the number one seed, Monty Williams winning coach of the year. Like they're a good story. Um, but man, to go out, go out sad like that in a series you were heavily favored in. Um, I'll say Luca is him. And oh God, yeah. 
maybe Jason Kidd is him too. That or <laughs> he, uh, you know, was looking over uh, Frank Vogel's shoulder and, and copying his homework because, you know, for all the talk about, I mean, from me included, I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons I didn't want Jason Kidd to be the head coach of the Lakers, but I just didn't think he was a good coach. There was precedent there to suggest that, you know, he wasn't the guy. And now he's in the conference finals with Luca and a team that, you know, if at the start of the season, if you would have looked at them and I understand they, you know, made moves. Uh, but if you would have looked at this team at the start of the season and told anybody that they'd make the conference finals um, and beat the Jazz and, and the Suns on the way there, I mean, I wouldn't have believed you, especially with the controversy around the Jason Kidd hire and, you know, even Mavericks fans questioning whether or not it was the right move. They did it. And so he he deserves a ton of credit. Luca. All, all of the superlatives you can say about him are true. Uh, and, you know, I, as much as I hate to say it, you can say the same thing about uh, Jason Tatum. Like the NBA, the future of the NBA is so, so exciting because these guys are so young and they're so damn good, especially Luca, man. God damn. He is one hell of a player. The present is really exciting too because he was, yeah. He is as good as anybody in the NBA on his day mm -hmm. uh, and today was day. And he was unstoppable. The Mavs, like a lot of people, again, myself included, got to eat some crow about a lot of stuff they did. There were, I, I, there were still valid reasons why Jason Kidd should not have been an assistant coach, let alone a head coach mm -hmm. on court reasons. He was, Awful with with Milwaukee off court reasons, uh, the numerous of them, and I still contend that they he didn't deserve a, a spot on the bench. That being said, the Lakers were kind of right in their evaluation of, of his coaching skills because he out coached the coach of the year, and especially over the kind of second half of that series. Uh, he was, he's done really well there. I've kind of had that take, maybe not a take, but just the idea that maybe Jason Kidd's actually good. Like it's kind of been in the back of my mind as I've watched Dallas all season. And especially, um, kind of once the new year turned over and they looked really good in 2022, mm -hmm. uh, um, I kind of thought about it, but I mean, this is as solidifying as anything like Jason Kidd's coaching a Western conference finals team. Um, the Spencer Dinwiddie trade I thought was a weird one when they did it. He had 30 points tonight. Him and Luca combined for 65 points. Um, him, Luca, and Jalen Brunson had 89 points. <laughs> like they, it, it's a little bit of a weird roster construction, but it works. So mm -hmm. I, you can't really fault them. And man, that was as thorough a beatdown as I can remember watching in some like I earnestly don't know the last time I watched a beatdown that bad like on that scale like in, in that type of moment because like that was that game was over in the second quarter and then they just had the entire second half to keep piling on and it was the Suns gave up it was embarrassing for Phoenix like 
all that talk about being the best team and people needing to worry about them and Chris Paul saying he's addicted to the NBA finals and like all the talk about whether Devin Booker actually was their best player. And like, no, you got sent home. Luca owns that city. Now that franchise, (laughs) like that was, that was an incredible performance from, from Dallas. Now here's the question for you. Who's the best player in the Western conference finals now? It is really difficult to answer that question without recency bias. Uh, But when you're in the postseason, that's all you have to go off of is recency bias. And if we're going off of that, like Luca is just such a a unique player for his size and the things he can do. Um, And that's not to say that you expect it from somebody Steph's size, because there were a lot of people that came before Steph that couldn't do what Steph does. Um, but I just think it is much more unique to see it come from a guy like Luca and just the ways he's able to affect the game because of his size and skill. Um, and I was actually going to say, uh, before, before you made this point is when you look at this roster, this isn't a particularly big roster. Like it's hardly bigger than the, you know, lineups, the Lakers were fielding, uh, in the regular season, the difference is they put a massive priority on shooting around Luca, and you know they had it on Sunday night, nineteen of thirty nine from three. Like that is modern NBA basketball, and um, but I I do think it only works with guys like Luca and LeBron, and if you're lucky enough to have one of those guys, Phoenix passed up on him. That has to hurt Suns fans, but, um, you know, not more than it hurts Kings fans, I'm sure, because, you know, the Suns would be in all right position without DeAndre Ayton. It certainly seems they feel that way if uh, they plan on maybe letting him walk in free agency or finding a new home for him. But, uh, yeah, Lucas special, man. And that is – I love Steph so much. I He is probably – you know, one of the three most fun players that I've watched in my lifetime. But I think I have I have to say Luca now two through five. Golden State probably has it uh, in terms of players that you you'd rather have. But number one, uh, and I don't know how much it's by, but they're going to they're going to have a hard time, man. The, Luca's going to give the Warriors the fits. Yeah, how do the Warriors even match up with Luca? Who do you put on him? Like, he's gonna hunt Steph all series long, but like, I don't even know who you start out on him. I think you double with uh, Draymond and Wiggins, and just hope that everybody rotates the way they're supposed to, and you know, dare Dallas to out outshoot the Warriors. But man, I okay. To be clear, I don't think it's hard. I said, I we're at the point where I'm like, I don't think Dallas beats Utah. I don't think Dallas beats Phoenix. And now we're here. And I don't like, I want to say I don't see Dallas beating the Warriors, but the Warriors have looked a little shaky at times too. So I can see be- Dallas beating the Warriors. Luca is going to be a, <laughs> a nightmare matchup for them. Cause I, I earnestly don't know how, how uh, Golden State defends him. And, 
when the rest of the guys, Jalen Brunson's been incredible these playoffs. Dinwiddie's been really good. When the rest of the team is shooting this well, like if you're if you like you said, double off of him, well then the rest of the team just shot lights out in a game seven on the road. Yeah. Um, so like I I don't know what you do. Like they that's kind of the one big thing that Golden State doesn't have is kind of a perimeter defender. Like maybe if Iggy is healthy, you try that, but like Iggy isn't healthy and is also really old and uh so i don't know about that like clay maybe but then you run the risk of him getting into foul trouble pretty early on in games and like there's a balance that they're gonna have to do here that i'm not entirely certain like i think this series is kind of a toss-up for me personally like i could make a pretty good argument for for either side i'm really not even sure which way i'm leaning right now I think if you're the Warriors, the reason to be confident is you also have a guy that you look at the other team and you go, who, who's guarding Steph? Uh, yeah. And I think in the Warriors case, uh, you know, their supporting cast is stellar. They have a lot of high upside guys. Like they have a lot of guys you can depend on game in, game out. And, and Draymond's one of those guys, so long as he's not getting into foul trouble. And, you know, Clay. As weird as he's played, um, you know, some of the shot selection he's had since coming back has been very not like Clay. And I, I understand he struggled a little bit, but generally speaking, you know what you're getting from him, especially in game six situations. Good. I was going to say, Dallas cannot let that get to a game six because Clay <laughs> is winning that one for him. But um, I, yeah, and I think for that reason, I, I'm still rocking with the Warriors because you got. You need to guard Steph. You need to guard Jordan Poole, who's had an amazing postseason. You got to hope Clay doesn't go off. Uh, and then, you know, Andrew Wiggins is kind of the X factor in that series because if he also has an, another or a strong series, then, you know, it's easy to imagine it getting out of hand right away. Uh, but all is possible through Luka Magic. And that's. That's really fun. I can't remember the last time I felt like there was a player like this with a team like this where I thought, like, he's really going to do it. It's not to say the Mavericks aren't talented, but in the last few years, I think there have been teams where, like, in Giannis's case, I think the Bucks had a championship-level roster. Um, and in any series they went into, with the exception of Bud, uh, being shaky in in those situations i felt pretty confident that they'd persevere in none of these series and i say this as somebody that didn't watch a ton of mavericks in the regular season in none of these series did i think this is a great matchup for the mavericks or you know i have i have the mavericks favorited in this these series and that that's somebody who is extremely skeptical skeptical about the jazz too so it's fun that i'm looking forward to these conference finals a lot there's a lot of parallels between this Mavericks team and LeBron's last team in Cleveland. Uh, Cause that might've been off the top of my head. One of the last times I remember one person, just mm-hmm. maybe not one person because we just talked about the supporting cast, but yeah. like this team is built around him and he is kind of carrying this team through the playoffs. And the point was made multiple times during the series that the kind of turning point was, 
when he deferred a little bit more and let other guys, Luca, that is, do do it and didn't try to do it all himself. But ultimately, in Game 7, he has 35 points and didn't play in the fourth. So, I mean, there's some parallels between this team and that Cavs team that had no business being anywhere near the finals. That was just more of a Herculean performance from LeBron. But um, that's the last time I can remember, like, one guy really carrying a team that probably shouldn't have won a lot of the series that they did win all the way to, I mean, they, they got all the way to the finals. I don't know what the end result is for the Mavericks, but they have as good of a shot as uh, the Warriors do. I, I would probably slightly lean the Warriors right now experience and a little bit more, I don't want to say depth necessarily, but just some more, more talent around Steph and, they have a system that they kind of perfected and whatnot and slightly leaning the Warriors right now, but Lucas so damn good that I I'm even second guessing that right now. We got Boston, Miami in the East. Who you got in that series? Miami. I don't even need logic. Like it's Miami and probably golden state. That's, that's what I predicted at the beginning of the playoffs. I didn't ha- write it down anywhere, so I have no proof of that. But uh, I really like this Miami team. Um, Miami Golden State would be my prediction right now, but the Western Conference side of that could change any given day. I'm never going to pick the Celtics. The Mavericks over the Heat in the NBA Finals with a team <laughs> that had no business being there but are only there because of the star player would be sound familiar. You, you can't write it better than that, but Dirk was in attendance tonight too. Wow. That's, that's magical. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we're going to talk, I don't know, basketball stuff, I guess. <laughs> While other fans of teams are having fun watching uh, the postseason. Lakers fans are at home refreshing their news feed and seeing uh, what's going on with their coaching search. I guess the best news that came out since the last time you and I spoke, Jacob, is for now, Doc Rivers seems to be staying and put in Philadelphia. And yes, I agree. Jacob was doing a little fist bump, double fist bump, um, which is fine. I don't know how much I buy like him coming back next season. It's still very early into the off season. I'm sure at some point in the summer, we're going to get a report about somebody being unhappy with doc or the direction of the organization or, you know, Joel Embiid making his comments about can't believe we let Jimmy go. And I, nobody, uh, nobody quite, uh, throws the franchise and kind of team under the bus after each each postseason like uh, like Embiid does. Super talented, like he I probably would have given him MVP this year. Um, that man has a habit once the season's over of reminding everyone that he really likes Jimmy Butler and throwing the rest of the team under the bus in the process. And honestly, when when you're as dominant as he is on both ends of the floor and the conversation around him and his injuries is stupid. Like at least now, I don't think Joel Embiid intended on getting his skull fractured uh, in the postseason. 
Uh, and I don't think it is as easy as just fighting through the pain. Like a lot of people on Twitter seem to be making it like fracture your skull, find a way to do that and then play pickup. Like don't find amateur- a way to do that. That's not an endorsement. <laughs> do not do that. Like even at an amateur level, like, come on, brother. Oh no. Sorry. That is, um, anyway, it is, uh, he, uh, what he did this series was, I mean, I don't even know the word, like he was admirable. Like he, he was out there just like falling apart. Uh, and I think he, and that final game was embellishing things a little bit because the man was hitting the floor, even at a high rate for him. Yeah. And like, I don't want to blame him for it, but like thoughts out to Danny Green because Embiid falling into him towards ACL. I would say a pretty decent chance his NBA career might be over. Um, we'll see, but rough, rough uh, luck, I guess, for Danny Green on that one. But it doesn't change the fact Embiid was like a myriad of injuries, like masks taped up hobbling around and gave everything he could uh but it's really hard to overcome doc rivers and james harden um paired together so i'm very happy that that doc is staying on the other coast for now again i don't want to you don't need to jinx this doc (laughs) is staying on the other coast period i uh but i don't i what my my point is i don't blame him for both throwing his teammates and the whole organization under the bus. Like if you have a talent like him, just freaking do everything you can to win a championship. Um, My only argument is that like, he's not wrong. You just don't need to keep saying it publicly. Like he's not wrong that they should have kept Jimmy. You've mentioned it a couple times now. I think everybody knows, like, I don't know it. I can understand his frustration on one level because I mean, you're right. He's been incredible, and they can't seem to put a competent team around him. But on the other hand, like, damn, dude, every year it's like you just let it all fly at the end of the season, and uh, whoever catches the strays along the way or the direct punches, just like, so be it. But, yeah, he was – he wasn't holding anything back. He's not wrong. Uh, Jimmy is incredible, and uh, he is – I don't understand why Philly let him go. So, as someone who will never get over uh, the Lakers letting Alex Crusoe walk, I don't mind Joel and B talking <laughs> about Jimmy Butler until the end of time. Um, the other thing that I guess the, the latest development over the weekend is that the Bucks are now out of the playoffs, and two of the candidates the Lakers are looking at for the head coaching vacancy are assistants on the Milwaukee Bucks. And if we're operating under the assumption that, yes, Doc Rivers is staying in Philly, Quinn Snyder's staying put in Utah, and Nick Nurse is staying put in Toronto, which I think are all safe bets at this point, um, I think Darvin Ham is probably my favorite uh, of, of the coaching candidates. I like Kenny Atkinson a lot. I just don't know if this is the team for him. Like, 
maybe a team like the Charlotte Hornets or wait, but it seems like Mike D'Antoni's got that in the bag and it's his, if he wants it, but there are a few teams that I think Kenny Atkinson would be better teams for, but I also felt the same way about Monty Williams and, you know, him being able to motivate a young team and the Suns are a young team, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he's a really good coach. And I would have, um, given all that's transpired, I would like to have Monty Williams now. But uh, so maybe I'm putting too much stock into that, but just it, it feels like Darvin Ham would be a hire that a lot of Lakers fans could get behind. Uh, and, you know, pairing him with a veteran assistant head coach like a Terry Stotts um, and to a lesser extent a Steve Clifford. Uh, would we would be fine, and I'd I'd be totally cool with that. Uh, but I'm interested to know your thoughts on where the Lakers are in their coaching search right now, uh, and whether you think the Milwaukee being eliminated speeds anything up for them at all. I think probably the weekend as a whole speeds things up for them because uh, they were reportedly waiting to see if Quinn Snyder or Doc were going to become available. Um, Quinn Snyder last week had the comments about loving Utah and loving coaching the team. Wouldn't talk about his contract status. Um, I think he's staying. Daryl Morey flat out said Doc Rivers is staying. Sabrina was quick to point out that uh, Lawrence Frank did the same thing with the Clippers at the end of the season with Doc and then fired him two weeks later. Um, It sounds based on a couple different – well, I mean, literally Daryl's words and – Chris Haynes report that Doc is actually staying in Philly. Um, so given that, plus, as you said, uh, Milwaukee um, being eliminated, I would imagine it's probably going to pick up a little bit of steam. I believe they've already interviewed Dar- Darvin Ham. I'm pretty certain they have. Charles Lee is one of the n- latest names to come out. Um another Bucks assistant, another guy who was really close to a head coaching job last season. He was one, he was the finalist alongside Willie Green in New Orleans. Um, so another guy that is due for a head coaching job, a lot younger. He's only 37, barely older than LeBron. Um, but uh, those two are the two candidates from Milwaukee that they've talked to. But I – Darvin Ham to me is a pretty clear front runner uh, from what we know. Charles Lee's intriguing. Uh, I looked up some, I was reading some stuff about him. The athletic did a piece on him. Um, Kevin Pelton had the kind of annual um, scouting reports on uh, like assistant coaches and whatnot. He releases each year. Talked a little bit about Charles Lee too. Um, What he said is there were, I can't remember who exactly he sourced. It was somebody within the league said that uh, if Charles Lee had been a former player, he'd already have a job, but he isn't. He played it. He played in college. I'm blanking on on where he played at, but Bucknell, he was a player of the year there. But uh, after that, he didn't play in the NBA, but they said if he had played in the NBA that he would already have a job. Um, Honestly, Charles Lee might be up there too. I think there's a pretty steep drop off after Darvin Ham. Um, Jovan Bua of the Athletic wrote 
late last week that Darvin Ham and Terry Stotts were kind of considered the early favorites. There might not really be front runners, but uh, they're kind of considered the early favorites for the job. Um, not shocking. I Terry Stotts doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence. That he wasn't great in in Portland as an assistant. I'm totally down with it as a head coach. Nah, I'm I'm a lot less down with it. I worry that, and this is something else Jovan mentioned in the piece. The Lakers are pretty strongly considering hiring a first-year head coach, which is both a byproduct of the current coaching market because there's a very short list of guys available that have head coaching experience. Terry Stotts, Mark Jackson, and um, Kenny Atkinson that you mentioned. There's a couple of – like Mike D'Antoni technically does. It's not shocking that he's not going to consider the Lakers. Um there might be a couple other guys that are available, but for obvious Frank Vogel, like obviously, but um, there aren't a lot of guys out there that have head coaching experience that are open to coming to the Lakers. So they're kind of, their hands kind of forced that they might have to, but I also think that the most qualified candidate might be Darvin Ham, regardless if experience is factored in or not. Like I think he's probably the best candidate. He's long overdue for a job. And I'm intrigued. It'll be interesting to see if things pick up in general. I'm not sure because the draft combines also this week. I don't know how many people or who the Lakers might be sending Mm -hmm. uh, to the draft combine, but um, I would imagine they can multitask a bit and uh, interview candidates and prospects at the same time. But I wouldn't be surprised if it picks up a little bit this week because everybody that they seem interested in right now is out of the playoffs and, um, Everything else has been cleared, and so I wouldn't be surprised if they started moving a little bit quicker uh, because so far they've been very slow and very deliberate about it. And I think, hmm, I have conflicting feelings. Either one, the Lakers are just like blindly optimistic about somebody becoming available, or they have some inside intel on something, and that's why they're taking such a slow approach. Or they just want to be careful in their in their coaching search this time, and they want to be thorough, which is fine. And you know, to your point about Jason Kidd, like if there's anything I guess to inspire confidence in the Lakers' coaching search, it's that one, all the coaches that they considered the first time around ended up being really good coaches, and that includes Frank Vogel. I know that's going to make some Lakers fans mad, but it's true. It shouldn't. Um, he won a title. <laughs> Uh, and so, and I don't think out, outside of Mark Jackson, uh, who I, you know, I think it's just a name that is in those coaching circles when, when a job opening, you know, pops up, uh, the fact that there was a report about Mark, like LeBron James giving his stamp of approval, if that were to happen, I think that's when it became a little concerning, uh, but given the, I guess perceived tension or I guess um, on the Lakers side fear of looking like they're appeasing LeBron James and clutch. Uh, I, I think that might actually work in like not in Mark Jackson's favor. So whatever, what have you, I don't, I don't think he's going to be 
one of the finalists for the head coaching job. Um, and I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, so other than that, not a whole lot going around, going on around the team. Uh, I believe the genie bus interviewed was covered pretty thoroughly throughout the podcast network uh, this week. It is wild. Uh, and I have thoughts that I will reserve for another time if it if it comes up. But for right now, I'm just going to say, I hope things get better. <laughs> there are a lot of chefs in the kitchen right now. And Jeannie keeps her circle very tight. And it is clearly very hard to fall out of that circle. So um, I don't know. It's a. Uh, there's not a lot of faith to be had in the Lakers ownership. I, I, I I don't think, but I mean, if you want to, if you want to be optimistic, as you said, I, if you remove Mark Jackson from the equation, which you could kind of chalk up to being a favor to LeBron and clutch, um, if you remove them, him from the equation, this has been a really good coaching search right now. Like they've interviewed all the guys that they need to, Mm -hmm. They've interviewed a lot of assistants and I would be really pleased with what they were doing if there wasn't that big Mark Jackson hole right in the middle. So I took a lot of optimism from their last coaching search because ultimately every name that was mentioned and linked to the Lakers ended up being like coach of the year, Kamani, title winning coach, Jason Kidd's in the Western Conference Finals. Ty Lue was in the Western Conference Finals last year. Like, they nailed all the candidates. So, I'm taking solace in that and hoping um, Mark Jackson was more just a favor. There hasn't really been any rumors since that interview, so I really don't think it's anything serious. We'll see. Do you, if you had to guess right now, who is the Lakers head coach? Well, that was me knocking on wood about the Mark Jackson thing. I hope I hope this isn't like I'll a take. on wood, too. <laughs> this is not a take that a week from now uh, gets clipped or whatever, but um, man, I don't know. Uh, I think Charles, Charles Lee made it really far in the Pelicans coaching uh, search and seems to just be like highly regarded in these types of circles for people's who, whose opinion matters. And the same can be said of Darvin ham, but it's so funny because if the Lakers hired a coach like this during the like Lonzo Brandon Ingram era, I'd be like, yes, this makes perfect sense. But now we're in like technically win now mode, even though it's not clear what the path of contention is in the Western conference with everybody getting better. And I just don't know. Uh, I think Phil Handy probably deserves more consideration than he's getting. Um, but a lot the- more. The Lakers, I'm guessing, have intel on that and have their uh, reasons for having some reluctance to name him a head coach. I mean, I don't know. I I, I can't name any of them. Uh, My guess is they're just boxing him in as this player development coach and and want to keep him in that role because it's the only role he's had. Uh, I also think, and this is just like, hopium on my part but i'm hoping that his name is mentioned later in the coaching search and isn't being named right now because for a 
organization that has been accused of only looking inward uh, when it comes to candidates and people that have worked at the team, whatever. Uh, maybe they don't want that out there right away. But I think that's just me being hopeful. I don't think that's what's happening. I just I don't think he's being considered, which sucks. I think that's a lot of hopium. Um, <clears throat> my only guess, trying to be even somewhat realistic, is that they just don't want – they just want to, like, wash their hands of this last coaching staff right, and, and whatnot. Um, I mean, Phil Handy's still – there like he's still employed by the lakers they they kept the coaching staff not named frank vogel around to yeah. conduct these workouts and the day-to-day stuff um phil handy's still in the building so you can interview him literally anytime you want uh you don't have to request you don't have to like he's there um at this point i would imagine they would have interviewed him already um it's also he he will find a job anywhere. Like he's one of the most respected assistant coaches and player development guys, but he also spoke openly about not wanting that anymore, but there aren't jobs available. Like, unfortunately for him, I don't know if the Lakers are kind of banking on that um, and hope that he might take like a lead assistant role of some sort mm-hmm. um, because there's only three job openings. Well, there were Sacramento filled theirs he hasn't even been mentioned for Charlotte's and that seems like it's Mike D'Antoni's like you said, if he wants it, I don't know if the Lakers are playing hardball and thinking like we dare you to leave LeBron and AD. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really think Phil Handy deserves a, an interview at the very least and like consideration because we're talking about a lot of unknowns right now. And at the very least with Phil Handy, you have a guy who's familiar with your star players and whatever roster is coming back next season and the inner workings of the Lakers. Like there isn't an acclimation process that's going to have to come there. Um, and he's no more proven than Darvin Ham, Charles Lee, Adrian Griffin, whoever the assistants are that you've interviewed. So I don't know. It is a little unfortunate that it doesn't seem like he's – much of a candidate and he wants to be and that, that's kind of what makes it frustrating but if he were to leave I'd be really surprised if it's not the head coach if he comes back I'd be really surprised um but he also would get snapped up immediately like all 29 teams would happily welcome him onto the staff um so we'll see but unfortunately I don't think Phil Handy will be around Thank you, thank you for like helping develop Taylor Orton Tucker mm-hmm. and guys like that. And uh, he was instrumental in that, and he was on a, a title winning staff. But um, I don't know, it's really curious how the Lakers have handled it. If there's any like one big criticism I have interviewing Mark Jackson aside, um, it's just why haven't you interviewed Phil Handy? Like, you're willing to interview Mark Jackson, but not Phil Handy, like that. That's that's not a great look. Maybe it's because, uh, I don't know, they know him. They interviewed him. Uh, that's assuming they interviewed him. It could have just been as simple as like, hey, Phil, come work with us. And he was like, hell yeah. LeBron yeah, maybe I, I mean, me up. <laughs> I was going to say, LeBron probably was in that hiring like process. Like He had a history with LeBron. 
I don't know that they even interviewed him then. I don't know. It's really odd. Like, even if you think you know him, like, he, I think he's frustrated by not being interviewed. So, I mean, like, just interview him. Like, I can't imagine your days are so full right now that you can't interview him for a couple hours. Like, it's the middle of May and, like, there's not prospects coming in every day. Like, and just, yeah, in the, you don't have to do it over Zoom. Just go in the conference room and interview him. And it's like, pre-draft workouts sure the Lakers don't even have a draft pick like they may buy a draft pick but this isn't like a big event for them they're not working out guys in the lottery unless you're getting a lottery pick back for Russ which spoiler alert you're not getting a lottery pick back for us so we are yeah, um, all the guys they, they they worked out last week were all there's only one guy draft express even ranked in their top 100 so I mean like they're not working anybody out you don't need Phil Handy there just you don't need Rob pulling there. Just let them work them out and figure it out later. Yeah, I it, I hope in the next week he gets an interview, but I'm pessimistic. Do the Lakers have a head coach next time we talk? Hell no. We are very much in <laughs> wait and see mode right now, and good good thing because our uh, colleague Harrison Fagan announced that he was leaving Silver Screen and Roll, and right now. <laughs> Technically, the site doesn't even have a manager. So, if there Good were time, <laughs> if there were to be a uh, head coach that is named, uh, I would volunteer to jump on it first because I am full time, and I don't think anybody should be subjected to covering this team uh, that is freelance. But if I'm off, buddy good luck i am not touching my computer if it's on a, <laughs> and so if you're uh if rob or genie or kurt or our regular listeners to the podcast please 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 have it be a friday news dump when i'm in like oh, my God. brother's getting married no. this week <laughs> so i i definitely won't be available <laughs> no do not make it a friday news dump hold on <laughs> i'm the one that's gonna have to do this wait a second i don't want to spend my friday afternoon writing about mark jackson being hired by the lakers oh, God. Um, i'm knocking on wood again <laughs> the uh i don't think they'll hire anyone either but congrats to harrison on his uh promotion and god yeah if you if the lakers can just uh hang out for a bit until there's somebody in here and yeah, you can continue to take it slow as you guys want right now. The draft isn't until June like 23rd, and that's when you wanted to coach. So June 22nd, you want to hire somebody, that'd be fine with me. That'll do it for this week's show. Uh, yeah, here's a question for you. Will Silver Screen and Roll have a coach by the by the next time we <laughs> podcast? <laughs> no. Who gets a coach for Silver Screen and Roll or the Lakers? <laughs> That's going to be the uh, the podcast title for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you guys next week.